Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the city of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. What is crack-a-lacking, everybody? This is Sam with you. I've got my man on your screen to the right, Benjamin Chase. Below us is Robbie Baseball, and we are here to bring you the Prospects Power Hour with Ben and Robbie. It says it right there on the screen for you. We're going to get into some fun stuff, uh, but first thing I'd like to say, we are part of the Palazzo Podcast Network, two L's, two Z's. Give me two. Uh, How are you guys doing? Say hi to the people and talk about your day, man. Not all at once. I was just going to say, I'm still trying to recover from, you know, launching to a nut cup on on screen. But, you know, um, it's your classic jock. There we go. Yeah. Uh If you were with us on Saturday, you might have some idea of what that jock talk is left over from. Oh, my God. Uh, Great. That was a good time, folks. (laughs) And I, I really hope folks tuned in. And more than anything, I hope folks supported Justin and the Fantasy Cares program to, with the Potapalooza. That was a hell of a time for for everyone. I enjoyed watching a lot of different guys this weekend. Absolutely. And us getting to bring up the rear, so to speak, on Saturday was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it might be quite appropriate placing, too, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> you know, I think that there's, you know... I think that we have a lot of fun, and I think that we're a place that you can uh, be yourself. There's a lot of permission given to just come as you are and show up and don't be a dick. I mean, I think that's really (laughs) the whole, you know, it's understated throughout everything, but the whole thing that we do is just don't be one of those. So, Mm -hmm. um, Rule number one in fantasy, don't be a dick. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. In your DMs, and your group chats. don't Trade be up. that guy. That's, yeah. that's you just don't want to be that guy, and everyone knows who that guy is in your league. Absolutely. I want to get through uh, some notes real quick. Uh, today's show's focus is going to be prospects. We're going to be talking about the Twins. We're going to be talking about the Giants. We're going to be talking about the Devil Rays and get a feel for where Ben and Robbie are with those organizations and some of the names coming up. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, Bozo-exclusive episodes every Monday and Friday, starting, I believe, next week, not this week. And so 
tune into that. That's something that Michael, I think, has got going on. If you are following us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. We are on a quest for a thousand subscribers. And I think that uh, these two gentlemen that I get to guest with today bring a lot of that knowledge. And so it's worth it. Subscribe, listen to what they have to say, listen to the other uh, programs we have on this platform. Lots, lots <laughs> of stuff for you to learn and to discuss. So, um, if also, last, if you are on a platform that allows for five-star reviews, feel free to be empowered to click that fifth star and say something lovely and nice about the two gentlemen that are with me, even me, I guess. But uh, I'm going to defer to, like I said, Ben and Robbie about what's going on today. And generally speaking in this space, uh, you guys have had quite the off-season uh, going over stuff. And today is no exception to that. The Twins, the Giants, and the Double Rays all have some really interesting names, not only looming on the horizon coming up in a couple of years, but ready to make a splash this year. And so I'm real interested to hear who you guys have highlighted on stuff. So I think we're just going to get into it. Is there anything that we missed that you want to say before we jump right into the dirt? No, let's do it. Let's right. hop in. I love it. I love it. We're going to focus in on the Twins. We're going to start in the AL Central. Uh, the Twins are a real uh, popular choice to win the division this year in the AL Central. Uh, they've got a great uh, starting rotation. They've got a phenomenal bullpen, and they've got a lot of fun names uh, up and down that lineup. Uh, Royce Lewis uh, just graduating in the last year or so from being a prospect that, uh, you know, he seems to be anchoring a lot of uh, – road mm -hmm. rosters at third base uh ben tell me a little bit who are your big three for the minnesota so, so i think the twins top three is fairly consensus i'm not you know i always like to hear some of robbie stuff because he likes to go against the grain and that's good uh because it leads to good conversation in all seriousness uh, but for me uh i go against the grain as far as the order because to me, Emmanuel Lewis, or oh, Jesus, Emmanuel Lewis, good Lord, Emmanuel <laughs> Rodriguez, we're, we're going back into 80s television here, folks. Um, Emmanuel Rodriguez, to me, is the guy in this system as far as who has, is he should be in double A this year. And there's a, it would not surprise me at all if you see him in target field in September. I don't think he's coming up to take a job this year. I do not believe the twins are going to slow roll him to really get, allow him to get the most of his development, but it would not surprise me to see him playing some for the twins in September. Um, my second guy on here is Walker Jenkins. And um, I don't know how many folks really knew uh, or follow scouts and that's one of those like uh weird worlds where uh only the people who know really know um but mike radcliffe was one of those guys that was an elite freaking scout in the game for years and years and years and recently passed away this last year um but not before he insisted since the twins had gotten themselves a top five pick that he went out and did some scouting for them this is the highest grade he has given a player since joe mauer that says a lot to me a guy with that kind of experience that kind of eye given that kind of a, a 
thumbs up to a guy like Walker Jenkins. And quite frankly, they said that was a main reason why they went with Jenkins over other options that they had at that spot. Um, and then finally for me is Brooks Lee. I, I Seriously, when, you're, when your front office comes out and says, Brooks is going to tell us when he's ready to come to the majors. That tells you that your front office has a lot of confidence in you already. Um, and he's just really, I think what he needs to do is he just needs to see some, quite frankly, he needs to see some of those 4A pitchers that he'll see in AAA to start the year. Because that's usually a lot of where those guys get. April and May, you see a whole lot of 4A guys. And then those guys get released after they didn't get called up to the majors. And you start to see the guys come up from AA that are a little more talent and things like that. But those 4A guys, they're wily. They know how to pitch in the zone. They know how to pitch out of the zone. They know how to attack you with junk. And really, to me, that's where Lee is still needing just a little bit more seasoning is how to handle that when... A pitcher kind of doesn't throw him 98-mile-an-hour fastballs because he can do things with those. It's just his adjustment to guys who really have good other stuff that I think he needs to work on. That's his final step. He'll start the year in AAA and would not surprise me if he's up midseason and they're just having all kinds of fun mixing and matching with him and Edward Julian and Willie Castro and Kyle Farmer and all these guys that can play like 17 positions are going to be playing all over the field. So it'll be interesting to see, but that's my three. Yeah. I think that their infield uh, as soon as 2025 is going to be Kirilov or somebody else at first base. And then you're going to have Edward Julian at second. You're going to have Brooks Lee at shortstop and you're going to have the before mentioned Royce Lewis at third base. And that's, I mean, they're going to run with that for three, four, five years as long as they have control uh, over those players. I mean, that's they're pretty set up. It's pretty sick. You guys actually agreed a lot on this one. Robbie, why don't you give me your big three that are up and, and talk about uh, the, the guy that you have in there that he didn't? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, um, got to oh. open up. Yep. <laughs> got to have a little sip of the juice. The conversation is now starting. Yeah. <laughs> My numero uno here at nine minutes. I'm writing down the timestamps. Nine minutes and 14 seconds. Gabriel Gonzalez, uh, who's most recently acquired from Seattle. Um, Gonzalez is a J15 guy from 2021. I'm going to call him the healthy Buxton. And that's not because I think he can play center field to any elite level or anything. But there could be a stat line that's similar. And that's exciting. Yeah. And that's something that I think we can all get excited about as baseball fans you know it would have been fun in seattle but at the same time he wasn't necessarily an obvious fit somewhere in seattle with their outfield situation and we'll talk about that on the next podcast um i do have brooks lee as well switch hitting shortstop like you said um you know 2022 first rounder he's legit and we're just gonna wait and see when he comes up and then third, I have Emmanuel Rodriguez, left fielder, J15 class as well, 2020. Sorry, he is age 21 this year. Um, mm -hmm. And I could see Gonzalez and Rodriguez pairing up together in the outfield uh, next year, like as early as next year as everyday guys. But that's if Gonzalez can continue what he's done. We've seen other guys fall off um, mm -hmm. when they get up into the better pitchers. Uh, but we'll have to see what, what happens exactly with Gonzalez. But he's, yeah, he's the one I like the most for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean to have the Mariner bias. It always seems to be Mariners that I get all geeked out about. But 
Uh, he was, he, I, I love Jorge Polanco. I love the stability we have at the major league club at second base. Um, but Gabriel Gonzalez is a dude. And, you know, the thing that I, I like about him is that when you watch him play, he's one of those players that doesn't look like the moment's too big for him. He's he's celebrating. He's having fun. He's relaxed. He's he's playing baseball. And, you know, that comparison to uh, pre-injury, not injury-prone Byron Buxton, I think is pretty spot on with him. He's got good power. He's good. got speed he's got good athleticism he's he he fits a type that mariners seem to have with these high athleticism outfielders that they just there there's a number of them and we can talk about them at the next show but quite a steal and 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 you know he would be the best outfielder if it weren't for jenkins and for uh, emmanuel rodriguez who i want to say that i absolutely love his quality of contact in the minors is just off the chart that dude hits the ball hard everywhere he hits and his swing doesn't have a ton of holes in it he seems to no be able to hit for a good average as well and so i can't wait to see him playing up in target field i cannot wait to see that outfield with those two guys and potentially the third with jenkins that you know the twins have got some really good things going on in their front office i'm real excited yeah. about some of the things that they've developed uh, let's go into the next three uh, that you guys have. Uh, I want to start with you, Robbie. Give me your next three. Sure. So I've got Jenkins in this pool uh, simply because I feel like he is of the Gonzalez, Rodriguez, Jenkins trio, the most likely to be slow played, not rushed up. Reason being, everyone got super excited last year. You know, Evan Carter, um, mm-hmm. we remember Jared Kelnick from years past. We don't need to rush this lefty outfielder slash dh up um and i'm only saying that because i forget what site i referenced earlier today that i was like dh uh, he's a little young for that tag but whatever yeah. let's talk about it tonight um i i feel like with with jenkins there is no need for him to go two levels you know like play whatever 200 to 300 at bats at one level move up and then get 150 at the next he could very much come up for the final whatever month or so hundred ish at bats. He doesn't need to really be jumping that quickly just because again, like not that you want to, you know, spite the talent or anything, but you just don't need to rush him up. Now, as Gonzalez Mm -hmm. goes up, as Rodriguez goes up, the line can go for Jenkins as well, but it's just about rushing a guy. And I know everybody gets excited. Like we all loved um, J two prospects that were getting big signing bonuses five, six years ago. Uh, You know, it, it wasn't Vladdy as the big dog, um, but it was a few years after him, Wander Franco. We all remember him. He used to mm-hmm. play baseball. Um, everybody <laughs> loved him from the moment, right? He was one of those big guys, and we've all fell in love with finding the next J2 guy, but we were kind of stunted with the just go with the signing bonus and follow the skills along. Well, Ben Badler, we had him on a little while ago. He kind of debunked the whole idea of the signing bonus being relative to skills at the time of the bonus being given. It's all predetermined. You got to look and find those other guys. Um, For me, Jenkins is the next wave of the high school guys we need to all pump the brakes on and let them come along instead of force them up. Talent's obviously there. Um, Anyway, to a lesser exciting note, Marco Reyes, starting pitcher, 21-year-old, fourth-round pick in 2020. Uh, He was promoted to the end-of-year double-A. My concern was... I believe his overall innings last year were 61 or 60 in the third, yeah. something like that. It was low. Um, and it was 30 and 30, 30 at A, 30 at double A. 
and he hit a freaking wall when he got to double A. So he gets to restart this year. We're going to get to see hopefully 20 starts at double A before anybody gets too crazy with the, you know, could he come up if someone gets hurt, whatever, whatever. Um, but I really like the potential that Ray could have. Could K to nine until double A. Could everything until double A. Let's just mm-hmm. assume something unfortunate happened. We we never know what's happening off the field with these guys. Um, it can always be difficult in that uh, that vein to continue your level of excellence. And finally, Brandon Winokur, who was a twenty twenty three oh. third round yep. pick. Um, he's got pop. Uh, I love this because Ben, you said it before. He's an athlete. Um, should be a 2027 type where we are all circling the wagons. I'm not sure yet if he's going to be a shortstop or more likely an outfielder. Um, but the right-handed bat, Florida Complex, was good. Short debut, but good. Yeah, I think yeah. those are good calls. And I don't think Ray is going to be starting in the majors until the second half of 25. But he's he's well, yeah. yeah done well as he's progressed up and you never know like he could he could start the year on fire get 10 great starts and they need he him needs up. innings regardless of where he's throwing them he just needs to have five inning starts like ground ball like if his k to nine went down and his ground ball rate went up i'm okay with that because maybe he's pitching to contact because the coaching staff's like we know you can blow it by him we'd like to see you in the sixth can you right. do that for us that that would be my yep. you know, Yep. So, uh, ben, you have a couple names on here that we've already gone over. Go ahead and say them and a little bit about them. But you also have uh, David Festa on the list. I have like, yeah. Tell me about I, I have, so here's what I'll, what I'll say is uh, I have Gabe Gonzalez. And what, I'll, what is interesting to me that Robbie found something that has DH to me watching Gonzalez that's where I would maybe take his future just because he looks, he looks a little less than instinctual in the outfield. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, quite frankly, twins fans loved Kirby Puckett and you know, he's not a whole lot taller than what Kirby was back in the day. You know, he's about a five ten guy, but you know, I, I, I love Gonzalez. I don't know where he fits defensively, but that's okay because you got Rodriguez and you got Jenkins who are both legit potential center field types. And so that's fine. He can just be a bat. But I love your comparison to Byron Buxton. The speed of the swing and the violence of the swing is very, very similar. Um, Marco Raya. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm somewhere here. Marco Raya. Um, in this system, I could probably go for a hell of a long time now talking pitchers. Um, this is the one guy to me that has the potential for ace stuff. He just needs to get healthy and stay healthy for a year. He has got that legit stuff. He's just never really had a full season. Um beyond that, you have a guy like David Festa. I believe David Festa is gonna pick enough innings in the majors this year to no longer be a rookie in 25. Whether that will be as a fill-in starter, whether that will be because he comes up and just doesn't hand off the job again once he comes up, I don't know. But I, the guy's, he's a six foot six. You know what, Robbie, if this guy was left-handed, he would be a dream type of guy for you. He's, he's got that perfect mid rotation left-hander stuff. Like the, the, 
all the stuff he has. It's like the perfect left-handed mid-rotation guy, except that he's right-handed. And so, and especially, you know, the 6-6 adds into that. I think he's a guy who he's going to come up and pull off what, you know, you saw out of like a guy like Bailey Ober or things like that. I think he could be that and maybe even a touch more, um, which is a nice thing to have for the Twins. But they have some guys who have some big raw stuff that I kind of put in as my extras here. Um, Connor Prelip, we haven't really had a chance to see him yet that much, but quite literally in 2022, before he popped his elbow, that was the number one pitcher on the board. Uh, his his start to his college season had everybody drooling. Um, and then the other guy that I love in this system, just stuff-wise, is Matt Cantorino. And I don't know if Cantorino's a future reliever or a future starter, but he's a freaking stud as far as his pitch mix, and he's smart. The thi- I've heard him on two different podcasts now this winter, and he's so stinking smart talking about developing his pitches, what he needs to do to stay healthy, all those things. He understands where he's at with that stuff. But I, I don't. I really enjoy listening to him. He's the type of guy that is going to be easy to cheer for because he's so heady about the game. I like it. I like it. Yeah, you threw out a bunch of extra names there. One guy that we didn't talk about is uh, with the Twins is just Churio because anybody with that last name is now immediately good at baseball. Um, not that I expected him to be in a next three or anything, but Byron Churio. Um, and I wanted to say the names Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. And, <laughs> um, you know, I've crapped on a lot of Blue Jay in-season moves. That was one of the ones I remember thinking was really good at the time, getting Barrios. And then when they extended him, I thought that's why you gave up what you gave up in prospect mm-hmm. capital because you also gave up the millions of dollars in the signing bonuses to the to Martin specifically. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson was Stroman trade, I think. Um, so you traded a pitcher you didn't need to to get prospect or two. Eventually, sorted that out by getting Brios, who you liked the ceiling with more. You know, he had a horrible first year of that big contract, probably because he was trying to figure out where to put all his money. Um, but now that he's settled in, <laughs> he seems like a legitimate guy. Um, I was trying to find there was a first base DH type with the Twins drafted in the last four years. Yeah, Aaron Sabato. Thank you, Aaron Sabato. Yeah, I could not. What, yeah, he's uh, he's essentially tapped out, I believe now. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's rough. Um, and Keel Cavico was the other one that it was a first base third oh, base yeah. type. They're, they they had a really rough stretch, and what's interesting is those guys probably need to get to another system for a chance to just right. become something because they have that first-round stick over their head. I honestly like what Austin Martin has become. I think he's a long – he's going to come up to the majors this year, and I could absolutely see him being akin to a Willie Castro. You know, some speed, yeah. a little bit of contact, but can play all over the stinking place and is really useful to your team for that reason. If you didn't use a top five draft pick on this guy as an organization, yes. this would be disappointing. The Twins got him in a deal. He's going to become a major leaguer. They're good with that. That's a To them, they got two prospects in that deal. Both of them became major leaguers. Anytime you trade away a major leaguer for prospects, you kind of hope that half of them 
become major leaguers of any variety. And they got two guys who at least have contributed that or will contribute. Martin really hasn't yet, but he's on that doorstep and expected to. That's all you can really ask as an organization, you know, and, but that's like the twins. We could talk about the twins for a while. I think they're one of those that people are surprised when they see them ranked fairly high in a top 10 prospects in the game ranking or uh, systems in the game ranking. But then you start going down the depth of this system and there's interesting guys for a long time here that we could talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No, they have, they have a lot of depth, not just in their major league squad. They've got, they've got organizational Mm -hmm. depth. So they're fun. Uh, Next up is going to be the San Francisco giants, the San Francisco Mm -hmm. tree. Robbie, ding ding. <laughs> Your big three. Who are you most excited about? I am most excited about. And I, I understand that this is the first time I've done this with um, this type of player, which is they're already an MLB. Kyle Harrison is my number one, but that's because he's still rookie eligible and he's so good. So good and so exciting. And the park can play well for him. And the team should be good around him. They're going to put a little bit more of an emphasis on defense in the field, I hope. And they're going to have a little bit more contact bat than over the fence, which never really works out um, with San Francisco. And that leads into my next guy, Jung Hoo Lee, which is, again, the first time I've done this with one of the um, uh, Asian players that has signed. Now, he's 25 years old and he's got a lot of money, but he doesn't have any MLB or North American experience. So he's a rookie and he's at the age in which other guys come up. I didn't do this with Yamamoto. We just skipped it, but I think Lee is going to be very good. And yes, he's got a big contract and he's going to lead off and he's going to be given a lot of things. And typically when a San Francisco giant prospect is given things, they just hand it right back. Um, You know, you can talk about, I think we're going to say that Patrick Bailey's got a chance, right? Um, but who Joey Bart is the one I was thinking of. Joey Bart has just handed back the opportunity that was given to him, and he's probably going to be on another team in the next month uh, because he's out of options. So uh, Lee, on the other hand, I think is going to come in, and he's not going to have massive expectations as far as like this guy can hit. You know, like we saw with uh, Hassan Kim, he had the expectation that the guy can hit for power and he can do this and he can do that. With Lee, it's that he's going to be on base. It's that he's going to be mm-hmm. able to move around and he's not going to be a defensive liability. The third guy I've got is long forgotten, and then, oh yeah, that guy prospect, Marco Luciano. Uh, He's only 22, and he, again, was part of that J2, find the next guy, and and he, I think it was like 2021, that he just went way above his experience level in his rankings, and he was at dynasty peak in 21, and then the recoil started like it did with Jason Dominguez. Um, It just... Everybody regretted the decision to think that the 17, 18, 19-year-olds were going to be impactful major leaguers uh, right away and never never struggle. And Luciano did. And Luciano got up last year. He had himself a little tea sandwich up there in the show. And he's carving out time. And if it wasn't for the Nick Ahmed signing, I would think it was a little safer for him to... Um, stick around for the length of this year and struggle, you know, like we saw Volpe do with the Yankees last year, just let the kid play and he can sort it out. But I still think there's a good chance with him. Um, they mm-hmm. failed with a lot of prospects recently, but even the rest of the guys, like I've got, I've got several non 
next big, you know, next or big guys here that I want to talk about with the Giants. And they've got a big grouping right now that in six months will no longer be prospect rookie eligible. Yeah. Um, and these three in particular, I think, are the best of that crew. I like it. I like that a lot. Ben, who are your big three? Well, I only have one difference. Uh, Harrison, I love Harrison. We saw last year with the automatic balls and strike system that uh, he struggled with it. Things broke. His his sweeper is one that breaks through the system or through the zone. And that ABS system was not picking it up for a strike at all, which then meant that he was having to rely completely on his fastballs. And in the PCL, that's not a good thing. Those parks don't hold fastballs very well. Um, So, yeah, he got beat up pretty bad. And to avoid getting beat up, he threw pitches out of the zone. So he had a crap for a walk rate. Got to the majors, and suddenly he looks like a guy who actually has maybe even plus control, which that was never the thing said about him coming up. But he certainly displayed that in the majors, which that was impressive to watch. Now, command could still use work, absolutely. But he was getting consistently around the zone with his pitches. That's something you hadn't heard about Kyle Harrison, which those of us who've watched him, we know he usually peppers the zone pretty well. It's just hard to call a strike on a pitch that seems like it's flying up in the air with the way his fastball can rise and but it stays in the zone it's just it's really hard on an umpire's eyes to get that right and then like i said the abs marco luciano is a personal cheese ball of mine i've loved him for i mean i liked him a lot before he broke out in 21 um just heard so many good things about his the speed of his bat and all kinds of stuff um if joe lowry was here he would tell you that i think he and I may own the two largest Marco Luciano baseball card collections that exist in, in, in the world. So um, <laughs> I, I dove in pretty heavy in investing in Marco Luciano. So, okay. But I, I still think the power is there. And I think we talk about this, and we talked about this with uh, uh, the Cubs and Matt Mervis. Sometimes a guy finds out, hey, I can't handle every pitch in every region of the zone you know you look at the nine box zone i can't hit every pitch in every area of this well so i'm gonna just eliminate these pitches and i'm gonna focus on this area and i'm just gonna crush every baseball i see in that area and they can do very well when you learn to do that yes you're gonna be giving up some strikeouts to pitchers who can actually pepper that area But even in the major leagues, guys who can pepper one area of the strike zone well for strikes and not miss just by a hair, they really don't exist all that much. And so as good as our major league pitchers are, Luciano did a really good job of kind of focusing on a certain part of the zone and really crushed it last year. If he can do that as a major leaguer, that's going to be, he's going to have a solid, he's going to be a solid power option for you and likely is going to play a lot of short this year. So that's going to be a nice thing. You know, a guy that could hit you maybe 25 or more home runs playing shortstop, that's a nice guy. Um, Then you get into a high schooler that, you know, there's some mixed reviews on now, uh, Bryce Eldridge. And 
Eldridge, the announcement came out that he is going to focus on hitting. This is the guy who had the highest exit velocity of any drafted player last year, high school player. In the short time that they all had in Arizona and whatnot, Eldridge had the highest exit velocity. I think the what Chad's saying there, this first base stuff, he played first base last year because he was also pitching. No, the guys they... at they sorry, Ben. They said in spring training like three days ago, he's now going to be the first baseman. He's punting, pitching. Well, no, no. I mean, as far as like he's he's he was an outfielder a lot of high school, and is athletic enough for sure to play outfield. He played oh, okay. first base a lot last year because he was doing the two way thing, and now he's not. So people assume that oh, well, he played first base last year, so he's going to likely be playing first base forever. Well. I, I'm very, you know, A, you got an arm like that. If you can even handle moving around in the outfield, you're going to be able to really do well playing a corner outfield spot. And I think that, you know, if he can just handle getting to the ball in right field, that arm's going to make him fairly valuable. And, yeah, that's a lot better spot for him fantasy-wise than first base. But I, I'm impressed I, everyone I talked to who's seen him down in in uh, Arizona it just absolutely raves about this guy's bat. And so, and these are guys that I, I trust and don't often get too hyperbolic on players. So I that's where I'm at with Eldridge right now. Yeah, and I I, I think if his floor, just like uh, Chad brought up, you know, best case if it's Hoskins and Mountcastle 2.0, uh, I think that Hoskins, if that's his floor, if that's that's what he becomes, Reese Hoskins, like that's that's a very serviceable player and very good on a on a roster playing redraft. So <laughs> I would take that, and I I think that yep. you're right. I think that there's a little bit more to his bat, and I think that's why they're making. I don't want to say the Giants are making him choose, but I think that there's real reason why he's starting to focus in on a pathway for it. So. We'll see. Maybe it's also because he's tall. Joe Lowry wants to point out that the umps were not helping him because yeah. he was- there's there's my my fellow uh, there's there's my fellow Marco Luciano collector right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna end it with this. Chad TV says, "I feel like it ends up more like Luke Voigt, home run rec or home run." champion so, for 2020 in a shortened season you're going to get 60 games of greatness from him at a time so we'll see how that works out i'm i'm excited for him with you guys so uh <laughs> there you go back to back to our lists uh i believe that brings you up robbie for your next three perfect timing so i'd like to dive directly back into the bryce eldridge hype train so now that he's a first baseman he's a lefty bat he's like what six five six seven he's huge you know who he is the left-handed hitting aaron judge i said it suck it everyone out there chad you are so wrong on a teenager <laughs> who knows but realistically um you can dream on Eldridge, and and that's great because he came out and was amazing. Like you said, Ben, people raved about him, and with good reason because he was supposed to. This was like a bonus, like oh, he signed, he's actually going to play, he's going to get in games, and then it was like, hey, look, the kid's playing, and it's like, no, 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 the kid's the best player on the team. 
That's that's what happened. And then he was supposed to be pitching this year. So like you said, he could be a right fielder, Aaron Judge, and he could work his way through, or they could stick him at first base and maybe try to accelerate him to continuously challenge his bat and just to let him catch things. I mean, I watched Vlad punt every routine ground ball at third base for what a year and a half before they couldn't do it anymore in Toronto. <laughs> and then they brought in the opposite, you know, the Matt Chapman to just be a steady defender. Um, if he's, if, you know, if for some reason Eldridge is struggling that badly at first base, maybe they would move him out, but let's be honest. He can probably catch um, the scary comparison. I'll give oh is, is Luke and Baker to an Eldridge who was a pitcher as well, was potentially going to be a two-way guy. It got shut down in St. Louis. I think he was a second round pick in 19, 18, maybe he just debuted last year, but he's lost all his hype um, because he, he never accelerated uh, at any point or sorry, he didn't like kind of pop off like Eldridge did last year. So I'm just very high on him and I think it's great. And I've got him in a couple of very important dynasty leagues and, you know, Buenos, for Eldridge, Rainer Arias, uh, DSL elite stud, um, seventeen-year-old, going to come over this year, I'm assuming. And I say thank you, Luciano, for any slow roll hype that Arias gets. Mm-hmm. But he absolutely murdered the DSL last year: four fourteen, five thirty-nine, seven ninety-three, uh, more walks than Ks. That's exactly what I want from somebody who I'm taking a dart throw at because we still know, like Eldridge, there's a ways to go. But you can't say that's not really exciting to have him come over. And then the last guy up, and this is like this is because I wanted to say him when it mattered, and I've got to make sure I get a stat line right um, because last August I was, I was quite frankly jacking off to Chiote. That is Jack Chiote. I'm going to go with that. Don't you Brett Laurie that. Oh my gosh. Oh Mikey, my god. If you're word. watching on the YouTubes, we just had oh. a, Eldridge is the first base version of Brett Laurie. I know that is that no. is inappropriate. Uh, if you think my comments are inappropriate about Jack Chayote off, uh anyway, he is a 22-year-old ninth round pick in 2022. So that's why you don't know him. He played um in low A, high A last year, and then just had himself uh what six sixteen sorry sixteen innings in the AFL. Um I I think he's good. I sixty eight innings was his total last year. He had a one decimal zero eight whip. Uh the walks were the thing you might be a little concerned with with twenty four and strikeouts were eighty seven. So he was a late round pickup in you know dynasty leagues of mine this year. I was excited when I saw somebody else that I think is a very good dynasty player take him on me late in another league a couple weeks ago. And he's a lefty, and I think he's also a tall boy. I, be, I believe he is. He is a big guy. Let me six six two forty nine. That guy can throw, and he can stand there and look intimidating. So I like these guys as the next three. Although I think uh, Chote, let's just give him the uh, Sante Gu on the end uh, should be up. You know, if needed late this year. I don't think so. I think it's going to be double A. Double A for him could be all year. Triple A could be next year. But let's just say something crazy happens. Uh, I like him for dynasty stock rising up as a next three. I like that. I like that. And I don't know if you're influenced by the big boys that you're podcasting with me and Ben or where that is, but the love for the big thick boys at San Francisco is definitely definitely not lost on me. I love it when they play well. So uh, good names, good names. Uh, Benjamin, who are your next three up with San Francisco? 
so we have zero the same, which is kind of fun. All right. So I get to, I get to say three players that haven't been talked about. Walker Martin, uh, last year's top draft pick for the Giants. Uh, really like his offensive skill set, uh, high school kid. Almost certainly a third baseman, a corner outfielder. Just not, not extremely instinctual at short. Um, but a really good, you know, I'll bring this up again. Really good athlete, played multiple sports in high school, um, and actually had college offers in three different sports. So this is a, like I said, this is a legit athlete. Um, but I really think the thing that just impresses me, like I said, he's well-balanced. I don't know that there's, I'm not going to jump on his contact tool. I'm not going to jump on his power. I'm not going to jump on his speed. I think offensively, he's going to give you some of everything, which that's a really nice player to have. Uh, then I got, we go down the, the, uh, the naughty boy list uh, to Carson Wisenhunt, who when he was at East Carolina, he was coming in as one of those guys that could be the top pitching prospect in his class, uh, was lighting up radar guns, yada, yada. And then he tested positive for PEDs and dropped down the draft board. Um, he does, his changeup might be one of the better left-handed changeups you'll see. And we've talked about fastball shape. Wizard Hunt can shape his changeup multiple ways. And that does allow for him to have a lot of success with it. My issue is anytime I've watched him try to spin a breaking ball, it is ugly. I mean, like, you know, girl at prom who doesn't get some ugly. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, we're, we're leaving that comment. Matt, girl uh, at prom who doesn't get some. I don't yeah. think that's a thing. well that's what i'm saying that's how ugly we're talking um wow so uh (laughs) we're we're going into some really nasty uh okay we'll just oh we haven't even gotten to the raise yet (laughs) yeah as as a father of daughters i better shut up here Um, (laughs) going back to baseball you're both going back to baseball i'm gonna send you both back to your rooms if this shit keeps up we're gonna have a hey, parental advice. I can go in the cage behind me here if I need a timeout. Yeah, no, I got two minutes in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a parental advisory warning on this thing before we get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all seriousness, wasn't Hunt? He's if he wouldn't have gotten hurt midway through the year last year, very likely could have seen a little bit of time in San Francisco. He's right there knocking on the door. I think he's going to be he's his top end is probably a number two type of guy. I don't know that he gets there. Um, but I really I like I like a guy who knows what he's doing with a changeup, and especially a lefty that knows what he's doing with a changeup. That guy will always have a future in the majors. So if it's he's a multi-inning reliever, that might be what he does, but he's gotta find a breaking pitch or he's just not going to be anything. My last guy is a guy who's starting to take the Marco Luciano path, and that's Averson Artiaga. And two years ago, everybody and their monkey's uncle were trying to talk about him as a top 50 prospect. Then he goes to low A ball this year, and he's in single A. He's a he's the, 
if I believe he was the youngest player in all of the Northwest League this last year. Um, and at least when the season opened, I think uh, Salas, Ethan Salas, brushed through that league momentarily. But to, on opening day, he was the youngest player in that league. And defensively, really like it. Very good player. He's really done a nice job of developing his body without losing his ability to play defense. He's got some fun power as far as he hits the hell out of the ball, but he doesn't get under it. I mean, he's not screwing up his swing to get to that power. So yes, I, 14 I, and 17, uh, 14 and 17 home runs the last two years. He's six one one seventy. So that's a thin guy. Uh, batting average dipped big time last year, and his OBP was under three hundred. Yeah. But still two and a half years younger for the level he played at on average. Yeah, and and I just think I think that 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 overall offensive skill set I could see that picking up some. Um, it's you know he might be a guy who gets slow rolled for a year or two, akin to. Luciano, when Luciano hit a wall, he had to kind of go back, play a level again or, you know, or another time. And then he figured out what works for him to have success. So um, those are my three guys. Lots of names and lots of conversation coming through on chat. Uh, Chad TV has a ton to talk about with the Giants. Uh, He says, but on Wisenhunt, I still believe he's up faster than most expect this year, more so due to need for the Giants and a real dark horse for rookie of the year. So, you know, you guys are in on him and to varying degrees. And so uh, real interesting to see what happens with some of those names of San Francisco this year. You know, if they are going to make a deep run, they are going to have to have a pitcher separate themselves, maybe two from the pack because they, like you Keaton know, Wynn. Keaton right. Wynn. who, who we didn't talk about, who is a rookie. Yeah. Uh, slider guy in the right spot in San Francisco. We did bring him up on a previous podcast. He was one of my yep. next guys, Wade Meckler, uh, 2022 eighth round pick who has had an elite minor league season last year, got called up, had all the hype in the world for him, and then was overwhelmed at the MLB level. No one cares about him anymore. And I was able to scoop him up in one dynasty league. I tried very hard to make a low key acquisition of him in another league. And if it wasn't for the fact that the owner is a total turd, I think I would have been able to make it happen. But he just didn't understand that what I was offering had more alleged upside than Meckler had shown in MLB. I thought that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Tyler Fitzgerald's another guy, third base, um, outfield type with the Giants MLB ready right now. Um, and then Hayden Birdsong, very interesting name, could have been a could be a band name in 20 years. Uh, 2022, or sorry, 22 year old at Double A last year, serious K machine, 149 Ks and 100 innings pitch. Um, yeah, the walk rate's not great, um, but he's a target who could be another you know Giants SP jewel here. You're listening to the Palazzo Podcast. If you've got some noodles in the water on your stove, now's a great time to check if they're overcooked. Me, myself, I prefer al dente. More pointless commercials are up next, right here on the Palazzo Podcast. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. 
With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, well, it, their big question is, do the arms translate at the major league level? I mean, that's really what it comes down to for these guys, because a lot of them have some fun stuff and are in some interesting positions, like you guys said. And it's not like there's a level in the minors where you jump off into the majors. You could be in 3A or AAA and, and make it the, a lot of teams push AA pitchers and hitters up into the majors because they're just they feel like they're they're ready to see major league talent that the kids need to learn at that level. And so basically I heard if they're a giant and they're a pitching prospect, go roster them. I think you guys covered eight names. I couldn't even. Except for Will Bedner, the guy who I counted on big time uh, in his draft year and has just been straight dog shit. Man, do I have a lot of shares of that guy. If you you want a fun name just to watch because – Talent-wise, he should be more than what he's shown so far. Um, I'm going to really have fun with this name. It's Maui Ahuna. Um, And really was not good with Tennessee. Um, Not at all. After transferring there from Kansas and... But, God, he's just... He's one of those guys that in at Kansas, this was a guy who looked like a potential first-round pick. And defensively can really handle shortstop. I just, he just strug- has struggled since. Struggled since he got to Tennessee, fell down in the draft. I just think he's got, if he can figure out that contact skill back, because at Kansas, that was an average to above average contact skill. And it allowed, like Joe's talking about, his gap power um, and, you know, with potential for more to really play up if he can get figured out what happened with that swing, cause the swing was kind of all messed up last year, but it wasn't in a, he couldn't, he wasn't seeing pitches. It's just his swing suddenly wasn't getting to them. And it wasn't, it wasn't like he was missing on 105 mile an hour fastballs. It was, he was missing stuff that he was racking up in the big 12. It's not like the big 12 has no good baseball, you know, playing at Kansas. So he saw a lot of really good baseball and performed very well. So it's just a guy I'm, I'm really interested just to see what he does. I'm not saying jump on him, roster him, but definitely a very intriguing name. 
So now it's 101 Giants. There we go. Prospects. <laughs> Woohoo! Nations, but instead they're all with their bat- baseball gloves on and they're all looking for a pitcher's mound. It's a heartwarming Got Disney batting glove on, you know? <laughs> well, speaking of bats, we're going to, and we've got 10 minutes left, so let's power through 12 minutes. Let's power through oh, the we can... Bay Rays. We've punted the hour. Sam, we, we punted, punted the, the hour, hour on the three three, yeah. so we, we we can go over on the three by threes because it, it does take us longer. So anyway, okay, I've I've got some extra time, so we <laughs> I'm here with you guys. Let's make this happen. Uh, so I think we've covered everything, San Francisco Giants. Let's get into the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, Robbie. There are three big Rays that you have, and you and Ben all all night long with your top three have had two or three being the same and this is no different than earlier today so hit us with your top three where you at i got junior uh number one because he's gonna play but he's he's not gonna play in april and i've been really Mm -hmm. enjoying in one league where um he's been getting blocked but the guy that rosters him wants him to get his shortstop eligibility that he didn't earn because he only played a couple games with Tampa Bay last year. This is through fan tracks, uh, the most honest site out there. And um, <laughs> they just give you the default where you played the most games at MLB last year. So he's, I think he's third base eligible. He's not shortstop and he's fighting hard for shortstop eligibility. Um, but like he doesn't, I realistically, he doesn't have a shot at shortstop. Tampa Bay has filled it. I think, the trade of Jose Cabrello kind of blocks him in one. Then they went and signed um, uh, Ahmed Rosario to an MLB deal, of course. So that's two short stop first guys that you now have. And Tampa Bay always moves the infield around. So it's not likely that they're going to rush to get him up. It doesn't mean he's not going to play, but it's early. Plus, he came up last year because they were dealing with an insane situation with Wanda Franco, and they didn't know exactly what to do. And a hot bat came up, and you know, like they were they were on on steam when he came up, and he you know was able to play for them. So he'll be back. He's going to be a regular MLBer by you know the end of the year, but just pump the brakes on the walking out of spring training. This guy's leading the pack. Um, Xavier Isaac, someone who I'm excited about because he was hurt in 22 and then came back. Oh, my batting gloves, not letting me touch my, my mouse. That's fun. Um, that's how old it is. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have any grip left on it. Uh, anyway, uh, he played 102 games last year, 285, 395, 521, uh, 19 home runs is sweet for a 19, 20 year old kid. Uh, and first base in fantasy is a position that very soon is going to be hard to come by an impact pl- player. And Isaac might be that guy. But again, Tampa Bay. So tamp down the expectation because Tampa Bay likes to ruin a, these guys for fantasy. And then Mason Montgomery. This is the 23-year-old pitcher um, that lefty six-round pick in 2021. AAA uh, is where he's looking to be right now. But he's nearly in the next man up role with Tampa Bay after doing nothing but succeed with the pro, pro debut, 90s fastball with play, 80s changeup, and developing slider, which, you know, whatever. You can say that about everybody. They're developing something they don't have. Uh, but the slider is going to be the one. If that slider can snap into place this year for him, he's he's up as soon as they need him. And then you've got the Brandon McKays of the world that can dick off and the other guys that just haven't been able to make it come together, injury or otherwise, and Montgomery's that next man up. 
I like those three. And, you know, to go back a little bit to what Chad was saying about uh, Rosario uh, not being a big factor because they want him to be a super utility option. I see Rosario getting a good amount of bats this year with Tampa Bay. And I think that Caballero, everything that I'm hearing is that they think he's going to start for them. And, you know, they traded four years of Luke Rayleigh, who, you know, was a phenomenal hitter, had a big K rate. You know, I'm... I'm interested to see how that translates at T-Mobile. But, you know, it feels like Tampa Bay is going to wait for 25 for Caminero, that they're they're really – they're going to put some things in front of him and make him force the the situation. And I don't – you know, I'm not rooting against him, but I I could see him not really contributing until the very end of the season or next year potentially. So uh, why don't you hit me with your top three, Ben? So, A, first, Robbie, you make the fan tracks comment on the day that TGFBI opens up. Way to go. What oh the heck? Oh, my God. <laughs> do you, do you want to get into TGF? Does anyone care? I'm just the- leaving that alone. I just thought it was a funny <laughs> funny I, coincidence. That's I, I had one one in that draft. I took Acuna. It'll be four days before I make another pick. We're, we're already <laughs> in 40, so. Wow. Must I picked nice. twice, and I, I've already gotten through my first wheel, so. So nice. it is nice. I'm very grateful. I, the other thing I'll say, and this is going to likely piss off Robbie, and that's okay. I <laughs> don't like Tampa's development in fantasy. Oh no, no, it um, sucks. And frankly, I hate their development of pitching. Um, as as a fantasy owner or all else, and that is one of the things that I will never, ever, ever understand is the folks that just drool over, oh, well, Tampa picked him up. He's going to become a good pitcher. No. Now, in the major leagues, they seem to do something with the Zach Littles of the world. That's a whole different freaking ballgame here, folks. Their development system does not develop pitching great. And so every one of the guys I'm going to talk about is a batter. Um, I have Caminero Caminero first, and just I really like him. you know, we've we've kind of covered him plenty. Curtis Mead, who I think is an underrated fantasy asset. Yep. Uh, uh, very, lot probably a better fantasy player than a real-life player. Uh, but something for folks in Dynasty to know, uh, he's definitely a better second baseman than a third baseman, and Brandon Lowe's contract is up after this year. And so he may not have the job all year this year. He may not have the job at all this year, but there's a very good chance. This is your Tampa Bay starting second baseman next year. Um, And then finally we agree. Xavier Isaac, just it is the high school first base group is just a little bit better than high school catching. As far as if you see someone drafted with that as their position notation, run um but (laughs) isaac is the rare guy who has come out of high school designated as a first baseman and has actually lived up to being a potential fantasy asset as a first baseman um i really like both you know power and contact with him i think he's got he's got a future role as a I don't know if I'm going to call him a first division first baseman, but he's going to be on that that bridge. You know, I mean, 
his best is probably where Paul Goldschmidt is now. Not Goldschmidt elite, not Goldschmidt speed, but what Paul Goldschmidt's doing now, 280 with 35 home runs, that's probably his very top end. And that's a very freaking good player. So that's those are my top three. And this is the slap dick prospect from the no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's Edwards. Edwards was the the tr- he's the slap was, dick. But then they also got the pick that got them Isaac. Oh, this was the yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. but I mean, Snell was specifically referring to the guy. The it like let's yeah. not loop him in. Let's let's make him nice and pure. You know, just the way Wander likes them. Um. <clears throat> Sam, I want to dive right into my next three, if I may. Oh, and I will. Get, I will have a pronunciation error or two. Um, but uh, first one, Yonit Curit, Y O N I E T C U R E T, righty, twenty-one year old Tampa Bay, tagged as a potential bullpen arm, and I'm seeing closer here. He might might not be the immediate fantasy impact we talked about with. Uh, what was it? Orion Keurig Dink from the Phillies. Um, <laughs> but this is again where the race. Remember Pete Fairbanks? Remember four years ago when he was going to be the next closer? And then every year it's like he's going to be the closer. And then like I'm air quoting here, like it just keeps on not legitimately happening. Um, this is someone who could be that guy. Uh, I, I think the idea of him coming up and not being what everybody wants him to be and then acquiring him because he's like, you know, roster fodder, unless it's a save hold league where, you know, there's a lot of value that's just out there. I think this is somebody who could play into that role. Um, and again, like it, he's 21. So you got lots of years left. One, one person that I was really excited about, but he keeps on getting old, like every year. It's like a, he's a year older. Uh, Keyshawn Askew, lefty Tampa Bay. He's now 24. I started to fall for him when he was a young spry 22 year old. Um, but big guy, you know, raw, whatever you want to call him, but he needs to like hone it in. I think last year he finished at double A. I can circle back and look when it's not my turn to talk. Um, and then, uh, Jose, you're Urbina. I, I work it out on air, everybody. Um, linguistics, <laughs> Urbina, Urbina. That's what I said. Um, <clears throat> uh, he's a righty 18, a Tampa Bay year old. And the issue here goes back to what Ben said about pitcher development. And one of the things that smart fantasy dynasty players do is we understand perceived value versus realistic value. And, and perhaps this is a guy who would be better to trade once everybody gets excited about him than it would be to go and get. So if you already have him or can get him now when, he, when the value is down, and then once people start to get excited about him, boom, you deal him off. Of course, there's the the off chance that something bad happens, like he succeeds and you don't you don't have him <laughs> on your roster anymore. But more than likely, you're going to get something back. And if he succeeds, you can be happy for both you who got whatever immediate help you needed or whatever, and the other person who then has uh, Urbina. So those are three guys there, you know. I, I went a little off board. I didn't see what Chad's comment was. Um, if you can throw it back up from here, somebody just tell me what it was. Uh, hey, now, Robbie Ray's closer talk is banned here. If it's not Sandy Gaston, uh, I, I trade. I need it as I see it. Move painter once upon a time to make room for. Hey, we've all been there. You know, we've all been there. I once traded a washed up Justin Verlander for a streaking sunny gray and two third round picks. 
And wouldn't you know it, Sonny Gray was not good at baseball, and Justin Verlander was just amping up. That was pre-Houston trade. So um, we've, you know, people make mistakes, and I'm trying to help us to not make any other ones. But anyway, those are my three uh, Tampa Bay arms. I like them. And I think that Tampa Bay does have um, a disconnect with the fantasy game as far as how they develop players. Uh, they have yeah, a system- frustrates us all. Very much their own, and yet, you know, so many great names and so many great teams that they've had over the last 10 years that, you know, feel free to hate them. Take to have all the haterade you want about Tampa Bay. They're doing something right, and I'm one of those people that when they have a name on their prospect list, I at least want to look closer. There's somebody smarter than me about baseball decided to have them as part of that organization, and so... I don't think their pitchers are zero. I'm I'm excited to, oh, no. to look at those three. Uh, ben, why don't you bring us home and give us your next three up for Tampa Bay? Okay, we're going to continue with guys who make their living swinging a bat. Um, Colton Ledbetter uh, was their second-round pick this last year. Was what a great always, name. Oh, I love his name. Uh, great hitter at Samford and then transferred to uh, Mississippi State. And went 324-52-574, transferring into the SEC. That's a pretty solid line for a guy who hadn't played that level before. Um, one of those guys who, you know you know who he reminds me of, and if Joe's still watching, Joe's going to be able to really jump up and down about this. The guy he reminds me a lot of in skills is Drew Gilbert. Nothing stands hmm. out. Nothing's elite, but everything's average to above average. And that's along with the fact that he just plays the hell of the out of the game. He's just he's not a center fielder the way that Gilbert is, but I think Ledbetter is that type of a guy in the corner outfield that just plays the game hard, gets the most out of his tools, but he's got average tools or better across the board. So one of those guys, I think. Could be a good ball player here, but, you know, then again, he does have to go to, you know, end up with the Rays. But um, my next one, if Carson Williams, if you got points in fantasy for defense, this would be an elite prospect. There Um, are those leagues out there. This is true. And he is one of the best shortstop defenders in the game with an arm that is – it's just a hair under Andleton Simmons level. I mean, it's it, he could do things because of his arm strength that most guys can't think about doing. Thing is, guys, if I were to tell you that his upside, his absolute peak value right now as a hitter is what Fernando Tatis Jr. did last year, you'd go... You, you'd think great things, right? Tatis is a first-round guy, right? Except that Tatis last year hit 257, 322, 449, and went 25-29. I think he's got legit power and speed, but he's not disciplined at the plate. 257 is probably his high mark um, right now, unless he does a lot of work in his pitch reg- recognition. So, yeah, he could potentially put up some really pretty fantasy power speed numbers, but he's got to hit the ball. You know, as the the joke always goes, you can't steal second when you're 
not on first, you know, that's just, it's, um, and then my last guy is one of those, he's kind of a perfect freaking Rays guy. And it pisses me off that he ended up with the Rays because they're going to end up screwing him over, but that's a whole nother deal. Uh, Trey Morgan, Trey Morgan, if Trey Morgan's potential stat line would be playing in left field, he would be considered among one of the better prospects in the game. This is a guy who could legit hit 280 plus, has 20 steel speed or better, and plays, honestly, any position he seems to play, he plays the hell out of. But he just happens to be ungodly good at first base. The guy might have put LSU into the freaking finals with a play he made against Wake Forest at first base. But he doesn't have much of an arm. So he's likely not ever going to be playing outfield, unfortunately. And you're going to get a high average hitter who doesn't give you a ton of power and steals you 20 bases playing first base. So that ends up not exactly fitting a lot of molds, but where I say where you want to get, maybe look at him, those leagues where you have a corner infield spot and you're kind of getting down into the mid tier bottom barrels of, uh, of uh, the third base, first base dredge. This would be a pretty solid guy to pump in there and give you, a, like I said, 20 steals that you weren't expecting out of that position for sure. So, Oh, very interesting. You're mooted. You're mooted, Sam. There you go. It, knew, it was intelligently just telling me to shut the front door. <laughs> it was giving you a second chance right there. Yeah. Do you need to say this or do you want to say yeah. No, I was just saying that, you know, we don't get a lot of steals out of quarter infield. And, it you know, when you talk about that profile, that reminds me of somebody who's getting a ton of hype this offseason leading into spring training, and that's Michael Garcia. You know, somebody mm-hmm. who's got a good hit tool, somebody who's going to steal you bases, and we don't know, is he a 5-10 to 10 home run a season hitter, you know, or is he a 20-25 home run a season hitter and is going to really cement himself at third base uh, playing next to Bobby Witt. And so, yeah. Or, or is he going to end up on the bench coming in the last third of a bunch of games when they want him to uh, go to first and steal second and then play? Because that's the other fear. <laughs> That, that we could run into here, if, especially if he doesn't start well, um, because the like, Frazier there, Massey there, veteran guys coming around, it could all get weird for fantasy purposes uh, with the Royals. I, I put Garcia back further in one of my um, universal dynasty drafts where he was a free agent, thinking like, I'm, I'm really kind of concerned. And twice when he was my top guy in the queue, I moved him back and took somebody else just because I had concerns over is he going to just fall out? Like, I don't know how much legitimacy he's got because what, is he 28, 29? Something like he's not a young no, guy. Michael Garcia is very young. No, I'm 22. No, he is not. No, yeah. he is not. He is. Yeah. And uh, so he was uh, a big part of my conversations down in uh, first pitch Arizona this last year. And, uh, HQ's uh, prospectus or HQ's, uh, player uh had him at 23 for fuck's sakes 23 yeah you know for fuck's sakes he's not old he's still three <laughs> years. Fine. 
Yeah, and, I take this back. Who and, am I talking about? I'm talking about him. And I don't see anybody in that organization taking third base from him. I think he's got all year to play the hot corner for him. And so, you know, we could be talking about a top five uh, or a five top five round draft pick next year. You know, he could be a real, real anchor there. So, well, I mean, you know what? He just turned 24. So he's getting older by the day. I mean, right? what happens when you're alive? I mean, <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, you know, we're going off the rails. I want to say that I've also recently had a conversation about Christopher Morell. I'm just going to throw out another third baseman that I really like that, you know, him him and Michael Garcia have been targets of mine everywhere I go this offseason. Uh, I, I had a very impassioned conversation with uh, one Sarah Sanchez, uh, and she gave me all the knowledge about Christopher Morell. And so count me on the hype train. I'm a fan, like... Let's go. That's who I was thinking. <laughs> that, that's that's where my Royals brain went. Uh, was Blanco. Yeah. So my apologies on that, uh, but total brain fart on it. It was it was. He's the seventh inning guy. He's the bring him in, steal a base, yep. uh, do something. So my apologies on that. Not Garcia. <laughs> Uh, the morel hype is is real. Uh, I'm excited about it. And I don't know if it's more than hype, but that kid, uh, he plays with a lot of passion and with a lot of appreciation. Like mentally, I haven't seen him in a situation where he seems overwhelmed or it's bigger than him. He's he's really done well with uh, uh, his adversity. And when he was brought up the last time last year, he stayed in that lineup all year. He didn't he didn't allow the Cubs to move him out or do something with him. And now they're going to turn over third base to him. So, you know. We know what type of player he is, and he's not that great of a player. I hope one day I get to draft with you, Chad, because that means I know you're not going to mess with me on my guys. I love it. I love it. The worst so, feeling in a draft is thinking you're rounds ahead of where you wanted to pick your guys, and you've got them all lined up. Like It, it is an absolute guaranteed failure if you're like, I, I can pick and choose any. I got so many guys I didn't think would be here right now. Like That is... That basically is my 2022 redraft year was like, I was so excited coming off of 21 into 22 and oh, what was that joke? Three so, long statements in a row. is uh, yeah. <laughs> So one guy that I'd like to talk about is our non, you know, uh, extra guys on, on Tampa mm-hmm. is uh, plays that position that Robbie hates. Uh, Dominic Keegan. Uh, I'd watched him in his first couple of years in the minors after seeing him at Vandy, and he's he's gone from a guy who was an ugly catcher. And I, I mean, you don't need to send his mom at me. I'm not talking about his looks, um, but his he it was brutal behind the plate, and he was I mean, flat out there were pitchers who requested not to throw to him. That tells you something. He has worked himself to be at least an average catcher. Um, arm is still crap. And I think the the guy he honestly reminds me a lot of that's in the majors right now is on my own team. It's the backup catcher the Braves have, and that's Travis Darno. Um, which is, I mean, that's a passable catcher if you got to have that catcher as your main catcher. It's just not the guy you want to have. You want to have someone who can shut down the run game, all that stuff. Keegan's a better hitter than you would think. And 
I think you get him up to the majors. This is a position that the Rays are just absolutely freaking devoid of right now. And there would be ample opportunity for him. And he should be playing in the upper minors this year. I just I think he could be a guy that we look back on at this time next year and go, God, who would have thought he would get in for 98 games last year? And I think if he's getting that kind of run, he's giving you at least something offensively that could help you out at catcher. Ugh, I'm glad that's over. Um, <laughs> so some of the other guys that I thought were worthy – uh, and some of these are just like remember whens. JJ Goss uh, was somebody who two years ago people were like, "Hey, this could be a breakout year for him." Um, nope. Um, Herberto Hernandez, twenty-four-year-old Double A guy. Wasn't Carlos? So he he was a catcher. When you fail enough and you were still within the organization, I guess you go to left field. Um, remember <laughs> Carlos Colmenares back to the J15 oh. class. Oh yeah. I got right? some nice like, cards from that kid. D- yeah. Yeah. D- yeah. He was the next one, right? He was the next great one. He's 20 years old now. Not that he's dead, but he's, you know, the ascent ascension has been slowed. Uh, Greg Jones, another guy at AAA now, Austin Shenton, former, uh, Dodger first base, third base guy. He's in AAA. He, he, he could, you know, I don't know. He could get at bats. Mason Hour was somebody I really liked last year. He had a good uh, yeah. AFL in 2022 and was looking like he could be a potential guy in 2023, but it didn't all, you know, come up. Uh, Ian Seymour, um, you mentioned a couple of these other dudes here. I had two more. I wanted to say my little bit on um, uh, Keyshawn Askew for double A, or sorry, for A and double A. He didn't start after he moved to double A, but he did get starters workload and walks is just a thing for him. But he had last year, 97 innings pitched 130 strikeouts and 75 and a third innings pitch where he was the starter at a ball and he had 104 K's in those. So he can absolutely throw at uh, six, four, one ninety. He's a, a thin dude. Um, and the other guy that I thought had some potential for this year came up last year. Um, Lopez, I gotta, I gotta check one of my rosters cause that's where he is. Um, I picked him up late in a draft in a 30 team league. Uh, Jacob Lopez, mm-hmm. this is more for like potential for you to help your dynasty team streamery type guy. Um, in this particular points league last year is August 14th, 19th, 23rd. And then he was sent down for a month, but he was, you know, not a negative in a points league, 11, three and eight points respectively, then came up for season finale, uh, pitched against Toronto. And that was his first start in, in the show. But that's just like a last hope kind of guy. I picked him up mm-hmm. in a couple leagues simply for that purpose too. So, And, you know, you mentioned our uh, Joe mentioned uh, in the chat, mentioned Shane Sasaki. They also have Drew Baker. I mean, they, they, it's kind of a, a profile that they have in their their minor league system of these guys who have questionable hit tools but can really freaking run and can play some pretty decent defense too. Um, it's I think it's kind of one of those where they're throwing darts at the board and trying to see if one of them sticks enough to turn that into a major league, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer type of thing. But that's really where they're at with a, with those guys. Or right or they're they're getting players who they think are going to be cheap through arbitration. Yeah. 
even when they're just drafting, when they're making trade, everything they do is about low arbitration dollars so they can keep them for longer. Because <laughs> I don't yeah. think they'll ever, according to Ken Rosenthal, they'll never sign a player to a long contract again. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Yeah, You can look it up. Literally ruin the whole thing for him. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and if, I mean, it was less than 14 years. So I mean, you know, oh wait. No, wait, that's sorry. That that was oh never mind. Ooh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Watch out. <laughs> so it was brought up earlier. Chad said the one thing I'm worried about with the Rays is that if the shortstop that shall not be named leads them to not give these quick risers keys to the kingdom as fast as they did with him. You well, know, no, that's like they've already they've already stopped wanting to sign you know, these young players, the big contracts, I could see this absolutely changing the whole algorithm for how the, the Tampa Bay Rays work with their prospects. So tough game for us to figure out which ones are going to be the shiny bright tools that actually get playing time because the Rays do whatever they want. So, and they win, they win. So we can't fault them for doing it the way they do it because in a very easy to spend AL East, they are the one team that consistently doesn't, and they are one team that consistently is in it into yep. September. Yep. No, you can't you can't argue with the results on the field, right? And I mean that yeah. at the end of the day, that's that's what they care about. They could care less about what we're doing. So, you know, all the respect to the race. They they do a great job. So uh, my brain is full. Like you <laughs> I think literally said uh, a million names. I think we, the counter, my finger, I was trying to count each name that came up and I broke my finger. So, and well, the- did you use your toes? I, wow. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. Like mind blown. South hey. Dakota math, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, is there anything that you guys want to say to the people before we get out of here, uh, either baseball related or life related? Uh, so I put out the, today on the, the internet baseball writers association of America, IBWAA. I edit their newsletter every day and we didn't have anyone signed up to write today. And I happen to have just gotten done putting together a, uh, a consensus list of six of the major uh, prospect rankers. And so I put out an article that, and I linked it in our discord. So go in the discord, take a look at that for the, the uh, Palazzo discord. But I kind of looked at that and figured out who the top 10 guys were according to averaging out what, where they placed and everything. And then also just kind of looked at some guys that were kind of interesting based on that, that, you know, maybe, they kind of popped. You're like, oh, hey, that guy's only made two lists, but he's really high up there. You know, things like that. So it was some some interesting players to look at. Uh, I'm going to be putting together a similar piece or looking at that evaluation and spinning it onto Rotoballer and kind of just saying, what what good are these type of lists for us as fantasy players? Which, hint, not a lot. Um those people that those people that come to you in your league and say, "Well, so and so isn't even on Baseball America's top 100 list," you can tell them that they need to go suck a lemon, um, and that take a look because actually Baseball America is one of those organizations that now has realized that there's a difference between 
regular prospect lists and fantasy prospect lists, and they offer both. So you could go look at their fantasy prospect list and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's different. That top 15 is a lot different than the other. I mean, generally, you're going to have a lot of the same between the two, but there's a lot of, I mean, Ethan Salas was a top, I think was seventh overall in the, the composite rankings. Um, but as a fantasy owner, he's nowhere near seven, nowhere near seven for me. No, I I think that those, those lists and rankings only highlight the opportunities for playing time. I think they're important to our game to understand where those players are overall. Uh, but you know, you bring up, you know, a 17 year old catcher. I think about, uh, Christian Pache who kept getting hyped as, you know, this great major leaguer on these lists. And like, he just had no, he doesn't have a hit tool, you know, he's just not hitting well enough to, you know, be, be a contributor in our game as a frontline person. And, you know, you need to know about him because he's going to get playing time. He's going to get at bats, you know, but I, yeah, I think Drew Drew Waters had the same fate. There's there are guys out there who yeah. the list MLB.com for me is my kryptonite because I often like at Dynasty Leagues, there are guys who are like, I'll take, you know, prospect whatever, or sorry, uh legitimate pitcher, whatever, for two top one hundred prospects. And like immediately I'm like, what list? Because if you're saying top one hundred, that means you're referencing something. What are you referencing? And if you say MLB.com then I will try my best to hose you, but all you're going to end up doing is clicking on the player's name and going to like hit tool or something. And you're going to say, Oh, like they only have like a 50. I want someone with like a 55. I'm like, why don't you go to YouTube and watch how they swing and tell me if you think that that base ranking might be off. That score could be off a little bit or look at their mm-hmm. stat line or look at the fact that their BABIP is this or that. And I don't want to get too into the weeds because I just want your stupid veteran, you know, starting pitcher for six starts here. But like, you should be working a little harder to make your team better instead of going to MLB.com and saying top thirty prospects, top one hundred. Like it's generic, and especially when you get to some of those other sites, the guys that write it are very intelligent, but they're not concentrating on what you are, which is winning money fantasy baseball. Yeah, uh, they're, they're absolutely. Yeah, they're they're very much looking at like who, like you said, uh, Sam, who can get playing time, like realistically, and depth charts are super important for. Uh, fantasy as well but it's realistic within the depth chart that like a guy with no options left will get some playing time this year and it might have a lower floor a lower ceiling but a higher percentage of playing time versus you know the 20 year old who's zooming up the system and is hitting very well at a ball right now yes his like five-year projection he could be a better contributor to your fantasy team but he's going to be ranked way higher than the guy who like you know is out of options or this is the last option year like teams just will not get rid of an asset until they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. No. And you know, I, I think about those lists. It's like Keith law is a really smart dude and knows a lot about baseball, but I would never go to one of his lists to identify prospects that I want to roster in dynasty baseball or, or prospects that I'm going to take a chance on at the beginning of the season and redraft. You know, I just, it's it the this the data set the the approach to how they put those lists together is just problematic for what we're doing so i can't agree more with you guys on that for sure um 
I just want to say that we are uh, one uh, weekend into real baseball. They are actually doing things. People are throwing up Twitter uh, videos of home runs being hit. My my boy Mitch Haniger came back to the Mariners and hit a home run <laughs> last weekend. Watch out, 40 home run season incoming. Yeah, best shape of his life, right? Best shape of He's never felt better. So glad to be back in that uniform. Well, oh, life is good. I mean, Jim. I mean, James Wood, a guy we haven't talked about yet because we haven't got to Washington. I think he hit one that still hasn't landed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That was a ridiculous pit or uh, hit. So if James Wood keeps hitting this way, he is going to be on that opening day roster. He is, you know, this is the time to show out, right? Like this is yeah, this is when performance really counts in a small sample size, right? Like this is when we really put the rubber to the road. So I'm just excited. I just, you know, every time we get to see actual baseball happening and not talking about last year and what we're thinking about this year, but actual things this year, love it. Uh, I think that brings us to the end. We were a little bit more than a power hour for you, but I think we got all the knowledge for you. Like I said, my brain's full, so (laughs) I can't thank you guys enough for uh, providing all that information. Uh, For the gentleman to my... Uh, right on the screen you got ben and then down below i've got robbie baseball i'm over here in the top left i'm sam peace and love Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.